Welcome to the Good Boys Collective, the show where we talk about culture, discuss theology, learn new perspectives, and grow in Christ. Each one of us has a unique voice, a unique perspective, and we want to use our voices for good. We're the Good Lion Interns, and you're listening to the Good Voice Collective. everybody. Thanks for joining our collective as we have a discussion about racial reconciliation and social justice. Today, we're just going to have a little talk. We have some questions that we want to ask each other and just to be open and honest about what we're feeling about this time period and what we as a church can do to bring unity and to fight segregation. So guys, thanks so much for joining me in this conversation. I'm so excited. So with all this stuff that's been going on, what are some of the feelings that you guys are getting and what are some of the things that you've been experiencing that you haven't really noticed before? I know just some of the stuff that happened with George Floyd and just Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor, like some of these like really big things have happened that have really opened a lot of people's eyes to kind of just seeing this for the first time. And so I'm really interested just just to hear like what your perspective has been on all of this and like how you've seen this affect the church. I think that's a really great point. I've found that just seeing all the stuff going down, there's a part of me that finds it really discouraging, but I think I mainly find it really enlightening because my heart does break for the whole of the Black community having to still fight this battle. And I've found that it's been a really great time to sit down and just be educated and speak with a community that's hurting and and learn more about how I can help and not just be not racist, but be anti-racism and join the fight and be an ally in the best way that I can. I think it's been really interesting for me just because uh, this podcast is kind of my main outlet for interacting with that situation because I'm not in the U.S. right now. I think it's really interesting to see how it's affecting your guys' lives and how you guys are having to process it. And I think I'm kind of vicariously processing it through you guys. So that's been interesting for me. I think it's just been really enlightening just because it's something I hadn't th- just thought about a lot before. It's something that's not talked a lot about in the church. And, and it's interesting, especially with it coming up now in this time of life in this season with the pandemic and quarantine and everything we're kind of just locked up with ourselves so it's something I've been thinking a lot about with myself but it's been hard it's been good with this podcast being able to talk about it with you guys and having conversations about it but at the same time like there's not we can't just gather as a church and talk about it in that way I haven't been able to like talk about it with the people that I normally balance things off of in life I'm definitely glad that it's something that's been brought up and that it's been brought to my attention and to the attention of the church but it's also just been difficult and interesting trying to work through that during this time with the lack of communication and just processing that kind of on my own. It's really good. So this time period for me has not been super easy. (laughs) It's actually been really difficult. I'm feeling very raw right now. And I think a lot of it is just some of the fear and the things that I'm personally having to deal with, just being an African-American myself. And 
I think a lot of this is fear of just my family, of, you know, this affecting us and just the the fear of like potential pain and things that like even just the just dealing with past pains and things just coming back to mind that, you know, I've been through and just some hurts and stuff. And so it's just been a really interesting process. I think I've also just been really feeling so sad lately as a Christian, just the thought of even having a second where I haven't been thinking about where people's hearts might be at right now. And I think a lot of the response of these people that we're seeing is a response of just total fear and pain and like hurt on both sides. And I I just, I'm really like, I'm just heartbroken by this thing that we've covered up for years, you know, in our society. But I'm also really excited about talking about it. I'm excited that the conversation is coming up and I'm ready for, you know, I'm ready for change. And so I'm sad, but I'm also excited. So I'm kind of all over the place right now, but I'm really thankful for the people around me who've been comforting me in my sad moments and those who have been encouraging me in the moments when I get excited about, you know, what God's going to be doing in our nation and stuff so yeah victoria it's interesting that you say that you're both sad and excited i think that was kind of my response as well to this but maybe for different reasons i grew up in a metropolitan area outside of the u.s and i grew up with a lot of black kids and so for me like i just did not have that concept of racism so much in my little mind growing up And so this whole situation to me has kind of been like discovering that the bubonic plague is back or something, you know, like something that you thought was locked away in history has kind of come back to life, you know, I mean, which is kind of hilarious considering the pandemic situation, you know, it's like those things that you think would never happen again or have been solved once and for all. It's like you hear about stuff and you're like, okay, that's, you know, far away, maybe in the world somewhere in some dark corner or somewhere in the past. But just to hear, to have this kind of come out and be this, this rising issue, just, it is so sad. It's just, it's like, we think, okay, we're over this, but the reality is that the the heart of the world is so dark without Jesus and it's never going to be over until he makes everything new again. And then as for excitement, I think the other thing that I thought was it's almost like, you know, a knight steps off the pages of history and tells you there's dragons to slay again. Like I grew up admiring the heroes of the emancipation and civil rights movement era people just like they were amazing and so noble and I feel like there's something that matters for us to do that we can stand up and we can be like those people we can you know use our words and our actions to fight for justice and I just that's what makes me excited about this situation. Personally I feel anxious about the whole situation I I feel like I don't really have a voice in this matter like I don't have anything specific to say and I see the division so I'm just trying to listen to both sides and I want to be more informed but I don't even know where to start by nature I'm not confrontational so I've just been keeping my distance from the whole topic and online I've been asked how I feel about all this since I'm part of a minority group 
I am Mexican-American and I don't really know what to say except that I've always thought that I, you can generalize everybody. I've had, I've had a handful of maybe bad experiences or feeling like somebody is discriminating me for me Mexican but it's only been a handful of times and I know that not everybody's that way. My stance is usually brush off the haters and just hold on to the good people that respect me. I definitely feel heavy right now. I'm someone who tends to take a little while to process things so it's taken me a few days to kind of just take in everything that's going on and get a handle on how I feel about it all. So aside from obviously just feeling you know heavy, sad and angry over Everything that's going on, it has taken me a little bit to kind of just understand how I'm feeling. And especially with the, you know, the conflicting stories in the media and, you know, events and things being told different ways, being played different ways for the furthering of agendas and all that. It's been hard for me to really, you know, hash out what's real and what's true. I think I've definitely felt a lot of confusion over just about how I should be feeling or how know how some people would tell tell me that I should be feeling but I think ultimately I'm just trying to take everything in rationally because the fact is that people are hurting people are being hurt and I just want to be able to understand where they're coming from you know understand and empathize and just better educate myself to know what I can do how I can help bring a change in this time yeah, I think the same with Kai. Like, I don't think I've grown up with people talking about it a lot. It's been more like something that you learn in history. And so I think it's just facing the reality that we still have it today and just trying to process it and just trying to, to learn and listen. But I was going to ask Holly, it made me curious of how, how does racism like play out in the UK? Like, is it the same as the US or, yeah, I don't know. I think that's a really good question and I, I wanted to look into that with my black pastor friends here because I think that would be really neat. At the same time, it's kind of a huge thing and I'm like, kind of don't want to dig into it. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of, it can be kind of a minefield and I think those guys would be the best people to talk it out with. And at the same time, I don't even know if I know the right questions to ask, you know? So it's an interesting topic. I think I know that Andre has told me the Black Lives Matter activity in the States has also sparked more racial awareness in the Netherlands, for sure. They deal with kind of tense racial relations because the Netherlands has colonies in Indonesia. Fact check me, I'm pretty sure that's where it is. And so there are a lot of people of color in the Netherlands as well. And they definitely experience a divide there on that stuff, especially because a lot of those people of color grow up in cultural communities that have really strong cultural heritage. And so even I met a girl actually when I was on my trip there these last few weeks and she said she grew up in one of those communities. So she would say that she grew up in the Netherlands, but she's not Dutch. And that's really crazy because I mean, that's what it says on our passport. Like culturally though, she has a really strong identity as, as being an Islander. And so it's really interesting to see that play out there. I'm sure there's something like that here because of England's relationship with Jamaica. We have lots of people of Jamaican heritage, especially around the London area. So it would be really interesting to ask them. But yeah, I don't think it's very volatile here right now like it is in the States. I think there is probably some level where that is an issue. But at the same time, race relations are a little bit older here as well. There's a lot more history 
and it's not quite the same as the states where you have a lot less history overall to deal with. A lot more has been compacted into a short history of the U.S., and Europe has a lot deeper roots. So it's kind of a different question, I feel like. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, that was really cool. It, it is really interesting to see just like the contrast that you get when it comes to having the time and just... Yeah, because like the U.S., we're only like, what, 200 and something years old, like 240 or something like that. And so it's just like, yeah, it's like a lot of this is very fairly new. Like I, I remember talking to my mom about my grandparents and like my grandparents never learned how to read or write. They didn't know how to do it. They always signed X's like for their names just because like their parents before them were more than likely probably still like they, like they're from the South. So probably, like more than likely like they were probably slaves or maybe their grandparents were slaves and they just didn't have those things passed down to them. And it's just crazy to think like how recent that was. Like, you know, that it's just, it's not that many generations long that all that stuff happened. So like, yeah, it's just really interesting how it's it's still very much around, but it, it's, it hasn't been that long at the same time. Like we feel like it's just like so long ago, but like, like my mom was talking about how when she was a kid, that was when all the civil rights stuff was happening. Like she was alive during that time period. She was the same age as like some of the kids who, were a part of like this church bombing that happened and like a bunch of little black girls you know got affected by that and it's, it's just crazy to think about like it's very much like some of these people were still around when people like when there was deep segregation where you can use certain toilets and like drink out of sinks and you know it's like yeah it would make sense that we still like have some stuff going on because it's very it's still very recent it's not it hasn't been that long so oh, real quick this goes with the last question. Slavery was abolished in England in 1833, and the foundation of the of the United States was 1776. So, you know, you do the math and you think that's kind of relatively, it's, it's just kind of weird to think about. Anyway, we can move on. Yeah, that is really interesting. It's good to know that and kind of have a reference for when everything happened, because then, I don't know, just like when you think about people like getting through, like healing through things or like people like changing mindsets, like when you know the time period, it kind of helps you better understand like why some of the stuff is going on that is, you know, so it's good. I want to ask, has anything in this cultural moment that we're living through right now caused you to learn something new or to change or to grow in any way? So something that I feel like I've grown in specifically, and it's not easy to say these words out of my mouth, but I, I just, I feel like I've grown in the way that I have cared and loved people. Like I, for some reason before, all of this stuff was going on, I didn't realize how self-focused I was. And so I just, I felt like in these last few days, I've been able to encounter people and love people unconditionally, love them despite the fact that they don't agree with me, love them despite the fact that they're saying things that I think are absolutely ridiculous. And I think that that is something that a lot of people don't really have the chance to always think of and go through but I've been so thankful for it like it's been such a precious time of just listening to the voice of God and like praying and reading his word and just really saturating myself in the word of God just so that I am able and prepared to be able to encounter these people well and so yeah I just I feel like 
I have grown in that a lot and in my relationships with people who I've actually had pretty damaged relationships with beforehand. And so I feel like this has been a really awesome opportunity to grow in the way that I do life with community and how just being more vulnerable, being more open, being bold in ways that are wise and just just things like that. Javi brought up that, you know, you think about this as history. Like, of course, like slavery was a thing. Segregation was a thing. Racism was a thing. But like, I've never really thought of it as being a modern thing because I've not really experienced it in my life. And, you know, the Black people I've known throughout my life growing up, like they've never seemed any different to me than other people. And I, I see a lot of just on social media and things like, like you can't be colorblind. Like you have to be aware that the black community is like what we're focusing on right now. And I don't, I don't, I'm so confused about everything that's going on because I'm realizing that that is kind of like how I've grown up, like as what people call colorblind, like not seeing color at all. Because when I'm like, if I'm introduced to a black individual, that's not my first impression of them. I probably won't even cross my mind that um, they're a different skin tone than I am. And it's been really interesting to me because I was very confused about how I felt when it was really big at the beginning, like the beginning of June. And I didn't know what was going on. And I realized that I was so confused because I didn't understand the cultural, like I didn't understand the culture of the black community because when, so when George Floyd was killed and that was a horrible, horrible thing. Like I thought it was, you know, it's horrific how this person was, you know, unjustly murdered. But I, I remember realizing that I had been so confused because like for me I felt like I was kind of observing it as an outsider because I'm not part of the black community and when he was killed the black community kind of rose up and everyone was very mad and everyone was getting loud and I realized that it was kind of weird for me because for me that would be like if like if uh, so I have blonde hair and for me it was kind of like if a person with blonde hair had been killed, like I wouldn't get mad about that because I don't like actually connect like, you know, I don't make like a physical connection with that. But I mean, that's obviously like a not very good example because there's no, there's no blonde community. There's no history and culture within that. But I realized that that's kind of where my mindset was that I was just so, my mindset was so different when it comes to physical appearance. Like I just really didn't have any kind of perspective on the black community and black culture because like I don't wake up in the morning thinking that I'm white. Like it's not part of my identity at all. Like I, I know it. I, I, I'm aware of the fact and I like just like I'm aware of the fact that my name is Corey or that I have blonde hair or my favorite color is green. I don't know. It's just something about me, but it's not part of my identity. So it was really kind of eye-opening for me when I realized that my mindset is so different from other people's mindsets. And that, you know, for some people, like, that really does matter to them. And like these people, their feelings are real and their, their grief and their hurt is real. And it was just something that I really hadn't understood up to that point because I had been so outside of that. And so it's been something just for me to consider just people's different viewpoints and people's different 
histories. And it really was kind of like a culture shock for me because I don't think of them as different cultures. I think of us all as American and all as human. You know, I never really took skin tone into consideration, but that's been eye-opening for me that it's, you know, it's more important to a lot of people than I would have thought because I've, I've grown up not thinking that it is important to what a human being is or, you know, just the value of individual. So that was really interesting for me to discover that there's just such a, there's a cultural difference between the black and white communities that I did. I just didn't realize was there. I think that's really interesting when you say that it's not part of your, you know, cultural background to see color because that's, that's what it is, right? That's part of, of white culture. Some white culture is to be colorblind. Like I think it's such a good thing that when the United States was founded that they had so many immigrants coming from Europe, right? Because the whole idea was it doesn't matter who you were in the old world, you can be whoever you want to be in the new world. And I think for a lot of white people, that's something that we've kind of like taken for granted. And that's like just part of the worldview. It doesn't matter who you are or it doesn't matter where you come from or what you look like or what your background is, but it matters who you want to be. And it matters who you are on the inside. And it matters what you do because you're kind of in control of your destiny sort of thing and the problem with that is that then there's another group of people who don't think that way and we have to take that into account we can't just be like well this is my worldview, so I'm just gonna believe keep believing this until it's true kind of you know you have to be aware of people who have a racist worldview and people who have a worldview where they see injustice based on the color of skin because that is a, re- a relevant view. You know, I can't just say, because this is how I want the world to be, this is how it is. I have to say, show me what you see through your eyes. You know, show me what is going on in your world so that hopefully we can have the same dream of like nobody gets judged by the color of their skin, but by the quality of their character, right? And what they want to do in the world. It's hard to step outside of your own worldview because sometimes you can't even see it, you know? Like you were saying, Corey, like my worldview is I don't even think about the color of my skin, right? It's hard to step outside of that and step into somebody's shoes who has to think about that every single day. Yeah, I think that's such a really good point, too, about just kind of clashing worldviews, because that's going to happen no matter the topic, like not even not even just in the topic of race, but it's going to happen with every individual you meet because every individual is individual and has their own individual worldviews and what they've grown up believing and that isn't that what's so important about communication is to understand. I mean, whether whether or not someone is right or wrong, whether one worldview is you know it's right and the other is wrong, that doesn't that doesn't matter when it comes to communication because I can hold my own opinions, but I can still listen to yours. And that's I think that's a really important thing that we need to it's a skill that we need to learn to develop as humans and especially as Christians to be able to just communicate and connect with people without, you know, without clashing because worldviews are going to be clashing wherever you go. So I think it's really great that we we do get to talk about these kind of things right now. I think it's good that we're all thinking about these kind of things because whether or not it pertains to race, whether or not it pertains to 
you know, something as deep and painful and hard to navigate as this topic, it's important to be able to connect with each other like we're doing now and to realize that just to be aware of uh, that there are other mindsets out there and there are other individuals and other feelings out there. And we really need to take that into account, you know, because we want to treat everyone with respect and we want to respect everyone's worldviews, even if we don't agree with them. So that's been, I've just been doing a lot of listening and learning in this time because a lot of it, I really had no experience with at all. But I am glad that we're able to talk about this right now because I've, I've learned a lot over the past two months. I was going to take a tangent and talk about how that kind of pertains to Christian life in general, because really we have to be able to step outside of ourselves and connect with people. Like that's what God's made us to do. And it's kind of what we need to do to fulfill the Great Commission as well. I don't want to derail us, so let's just move on to the next question. I was just going to say something to that effect. So like what you and Holly and Corey, what you guys were saying, I, I definitely, I feel what you were saying, Corey, just like growing up, I didn't see my skin color as a problem because I wasn't aware of it because I didn't need to be. Like it didn't cause any problems for me. There wasn't any issues. And that that's our worldview and other people's worldviews are different from that. But I think we need to be able to widen our worldview to contain the fact that it is an issue for other people. And like, like you were saying, Holly, I think that does speak to broader issues in Christian culture and in the modern church is that the fact that we just kind of take our worldview as our own and we just kind of live in the ignorance is bliss kind of mindset that pertains to a lot of things, like really any group of people who are, in a minority who are different than the majority of people. If we're not aware of it, I don't think the church does a good enough job at making itself aware of it and keeping that at the forefront of our of our minds and our thoughts and just like not just acknowledging it for just one day of international awareness and then forgetting about it and moving on. Yeah, I think that's all great stuff to be aware of and think about. But I kind of wanted to bring it back a little bit to what Victoria was saying about how this is all still very new. And, you know, just like in recent events, we see that there's still a battle at hand. And I feel like at this moment in time, there's so many different opinions, just like you were saying, Kai, and everything in social justice can become highly politicized. But stripping this down and just sort of viewing this through the eyes of Christians, you know, wholehearted Jesus lovers and Bible believers, how can we continue to fight for justice for minorities here in America? Victoria, this specifically is a question for you, but do you believe that the church is too silent about these issues or can even be tone deaf in certain ways? Like, are there ways that we can constructively learn and fight for this out of respect for Black cultures? What is the next step? Like, what have you seen from churches that have left you feeling empowered and proud of the church and how they're handling these issues? Yeah, I think that's a really cool question because in the church, like, there just tends to be this, like, I don't know, we sometimes, I think people in general just make social justice sometimes like a political thing. And I really don't believe it should be political. Like, I think we should fight for social justice because, you know, we want justice and we want to see justice happen in general. And that should be the heart of every man, you know, and especially every Christian, like, to fight, you know, to bring justice 
justice and to bring peace. And there have been times in my life, like I remember being a kid and there was a kid in my school. I went to a private Christian school and the kid had called me the N word. And I was like, so heartbroken. Like that really, really like destroyed me. He was saying it in a way that was just really hurtful. And just basically saying like, you know, black people are always like this. And like, why are you being such an N word and all this stuff? And I told the teacher about it and like, she didn't do anything about it. She had talked to him one time, but like, he just like kept saying things to me that were super hurtful. And uh, and I talked to them multiple times about it and they just like really didn't stand up for me. And they were like, well, this is an issue between him and his parents and you know, all this stuff. And like, if he keeps saying that, we don't really have anything we can do. And and that was really painful. Like that, that really hurt because it just felt like they were just opening this door to allow him to just continue to bully me. You know, that was awful. And something I'll never forget was like one of the girls in the school, like literally went up to him and she was like, if you ever say this about her ever again, I'm gonna beat you up and like, you know, like kind of threatening him. That wasn't very nice, like it was kind of bad. But at the same time, I was so thankful for it. Like after that, all my friends were like together. They were just like, yeah, we're not gonna stand for him doing this. If he ever does this to you ever again, like like we're gonna be really upset and something's gonna happen, like we're gonna fight. And I was like, okay, let's not fight, but thank you. I was really thankful. And, and he never bullied me to, again after that, just because my friends and the people around me who saw just this one person coming and attacking me, like they stood up for me and they stood beside me. And I remember just, that's always been my picture, the picture in my head. When I'm seeing people standing up for justice, I'm seeing people walking hand in hand with people who are so broken and hurt because people are coming after them, you know? And that's something like, I would love to see in the church more often is that we just become like this, I don't know, like the hand that people can grab onto and just walk with. And like, we tell them our struggles and we say, when you're going through this, I'm gonna be next to you. And we're going to help you walk through this and help you get the healing that you need. And we're gonna, we're gonna love on you. And that's just something that I think we're getting better at. Kind of seeing this experience, just seeing people going out and praying and, you know, just on the streets and talking about how declaring peace and talking about how they want to be there for the African-American community or the black community right now during this time. That's been, that's been really impactful for me. Like that just like made my heart so happy to, to see people in the church stepping out and doing that. And that brought me a lot of feeling. And I, you know, I've been working on this like a, a long time, you know, there's just been things that happen that have been so hurtful. But when you're walking hand in hand with people like that, I don't know, to me, that's that, that seems like the thing that the church needs to do is to show these people like, hey, God cares about you and he cares about the things that have hurt you in your life. And I don't know, to me, that's just like, the best thing that we could do right now is just be a representation of Christ to those people and like do what we can to bring them closer to the Lord. So that way the Lord can heal those wounds in their hearts. And that way that these people can live and feel free. And it's kind of going back to what you guys were saying, just giving them the opportunity to be able to feel like they can live and not have to be worried constantly about their skin tone when they when they walk in places and when they go into a church. It's intimidating to go into a church as a black person with a majority being white people. That's scary. And when you come into a church that's open arms and welcoming and, you know, when you tell them about what's been going on in your life and they love on you, that just, that heals something in your heart that I just can't explain it. It totally changes your mindset and stuff, but yeah. I think you totally hit the nail on the head, Victoria, because the answer to racism isn't anti-racism, right? It's the gospel because people are always gonna be messed up and there's always gonna be racism somewhere in the world. But God's kingdom is the place where that is all solved. 
And real Christianity is just like the Lord where, you know, it says in, where is it? Galatians 3, 26 and through uh, 28, it says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And that's where that healing is going to come from and that love, right? Like you said, people just taking your hand and listening to you. And it's in the kingdom of, of Christ. It's in it's in God's kingdom and in his kingdom coming on earth through the church. That's where the solution for racism is. Yeah. The first thing I want to say about that subject is, Victoria, I want to completely validate any way you felt when you experienced blatant firsthand racism, because it absolutely breaks my heart to see you spoken to in a derogatory way just because of the color of your skin tone and I was just talking to my sister about this her first friend that she ever made was black and my family they were on a cruise and my dad pulled my sister to the side and was like hey do you see that little girl over there the one with the brown skin and she was like yeah and he was like isn't the color of her skin beautiful like have you ever seen anyone with that skin tone before she was like no I haven't and she thought it was the coolest thing ever and she just ran over to her and was like your skin is beautiful I love your skin and they became friends and she would just be in awe of any other person that she saw with brown skin and I just in my brain cannot imagine going through hate because of that or hating someone for their skin tone it just doesn't it doesn't make sense to me and I hate that this is still an issue that we have to fight and it like actually makes me sick to my stomach and like you said Victoria there's nothing wrong with wanting justice and we see examples of justice throughout the Bible. To put this through a different lens, if Jesus came to America in modern times, how do you think that he would handle the social issues that we're facing? Wouldn't he handle it with love and wouldn't he be the first one fighting for love for all people? I think Jesus always put the kingdom of God first. And so I think he cares about the issues of social justice, but he was aware even in his time that the only way to bring justice on earth is to bring God's kingdom on earth. And that's a kingdom that is not, it's not of this world, right? He was talking to Pilate at the very end and he was saying, you know, if my kingdom was of this world, my followers would be fighting for my freedom right now. They would be fighting because I'm about to be put to death. But my kingdom isn't of this world. And I think in a similar way, we can fight social injustice physically and in a really real way. At the same time, this is a fight that isn't of this world, right? And so prayer is really important and also having a heavenly perspective and a holy perspective. I think the Holy Spirit is really key to fighting social injustice as well right now. I think that we can protest all we want, but in the end, it's still an earthly kingdom that we are working against and we have to be aware of the spiritual reality that's going on right now. Yeah, I think it's really interesting like to to look at Jesus's life and like the time period that he came in was literally like the Jewish people were being treated unjust, unjustly during that time period. Like he literally came in and people were expecting him to come in and being like loud and 
leading this huge rebellion and like all these different things. And you just see him just coming to the people individually, just going to these towns, like going through Samaria when the Samaritans didn't like the Jews. And, you know, he put himself in these situations where he just surrounded himself with zealots and people who were crazy and all this stuff. And he just taught them how to walk in love and how to walk in peace. And I think that's such a great representation of what we should be doing right now. That's why I have a problem. Like I, I get riots and stuff are bad, but to me, whenever I'm thinking of the riots, I'm like, man, I want to be the person who's going amongst these rioters and just teaching them how to love, you know, and teaching them a better way. Like they're hurting people and some of them are taking advantage, obviously, but just like these people are all broken and missing the Lord. And, and that's what they need. They need the love and peace of God. And so when I look at just seeing what Jesus did, he came and he went amongst like the dirtiest of the dirty and the, the most disrespected people. And he went and he taught them differently and he changed their hearts. And a lot of those people were some of the people who were closest to him, his disciples. There was a few of them that were zealots. A lot of them were just kind of like intense and crazy. And then by the end of it, their lives were totally transformed to where they were some of the most loving people ever. And that's insane to me just to think about that, how these people were just very angry and bitter and he just changed their hearts. And so, yeah, I think that's how Jesus would be walking this out, just being amongst them, loving them, teaching them a better way and teaching them a kingdom perspective on how to look at this and how to see what's going on during this time. And that's definitely something that I hope that all Christians will look at and be like, oh, I want to do that same thing. I want to walk in the way where I'm teaching people and I'm showing people God's love throughout all of this. I think that's such a beautiful picture that you were painting, Victoria, and like that's such a great just explanation of what Jesus was for and um, what he stood for and what he loved. He loved people. He came for people. And, you know, we live in a broken world and there's no way to escape brokenness because even if we can be fighting in the midst of social justice, if we can be fighting for something that's good and something that's honorable, we're still broken people and we'll still mess up. And the relationships we have with people are always going to be broken because we were created for relationships. Humans were created for a relationship with God and a secondary relationship with others. And that's a beautiful thing, but we're always... That's funny. Did anyone else have anything to add to that? I think we pretty much covered it. I think it's hard to shift your focus from an earthly perspective to a heavenly one. I think that's a problem that a lot of people in the United States, in the church in the United States have, is that, you know, you can pull yourself up by your own bootstraps and God helps those that help themselves, right? And I think there's a real, in some places, there is a real blindness to the spiritual reality. So, Shavi, what do you think? Yeah, I don't really feel like super informed or like my mind is blank, but I'm learning a lot. And I like your perspective, Holly, of just like how God or Jesus, when he was on earth, just like put the kingdom of God first. And that just reminder of like, we're trying to look for solutions, but just how we look into the gospel for healing. And Victoria, how you were saying we should really like love on people and bring that gospel because God alone can heal those wounds. And so, yeah, I think those were all like just good reminders. I think it's kind of hard right. to generalize about the church as well, you know, because I grew up in a church that's super inclusive. Like, mm -hmm. seriously, you count the nationalities. There's more nationalities than people. Like a lot wow. of multiracial stuff going on. And like we counted one time we had a, a Christmas party with people from our church. 
and literally like I think everyone was a different nationality except my family and, and we just had tons like we think we had like 60 nationalities around a table of you know 20 people or something like that so I think it's hard to generalize sometimes about the church with these questions like do you think the church is weak in areas of racial equality I would say no from my experience but that doesn't mean that that's true overall yeah. you know so it is really interesting depending on where you come from different churches are different I'm from yeah. the Midwest there it's literally 3% black we have one kind of major African-American church, but then the rest of them are just basically, oh, we have a lot of churches here, actually. This is the Bible Belt. So literally you throw a rock and you hit a church. So it's not, it's not hard to find a church around here. And all the churches are so different. Any church that you go to is going to be really different, but especially here, just because there isn't a lot of diversity, like it's like 90 something percent white. And so that's just like, you're not going to find a lot of diversity here. Growing up, like we were one of the few black families that lived around here and even just the history that I know about this area is just some of the stuff is very modern some of the history is very modern just even some of the public lynchings and stuff like that happened in the 70s and it was done by the whole like city like it's really bad and so just like depending on where you live really depends on the kind of stuff that you're going to encounter in the church and so yeah I just think it's really interesting yeah how how it could differ like that my mom was talking about how she went to a church that was called all nations when she was younger and literally it's just people from all nations were in that church and it was just a totally different experience so but I think it is good to be aware of just socially how your church is if your church is very segregated you'll see that people just don't really have an understanding of black culture very often and people don't really have this idea of you know that black people might be considering their skin tone or you know every day of their life and like that's a factor that they have to deal with and that's I just think that's because we're not as exposed to living life with other people. That's just segregation that just tends to happen. And um, what I think is really interesting is it's more likely for people to be around people who are the same culture as they are. It can be kind of natural sometimes, right? Yeah. Just naturally, you kind of, without realizing it, are kind of just going with your crowd. And then it's not really helping that crossover. And both sides are guilty of kind of doing that. What for different reasons, maybe, you know, like you said earlier, like there's a kind of a fear factor sometimes when you walk into a church of just like what's this going to be like so that is a bit prohibitive to really getting into that close fellowship that's going to overcome that divide eventually for sure yeah and i and i think that is something that people just naturally do we just naturally divide ourselves and see each other divided but like that's not the kingdom of god the kingdom of god is so diverse and like, people look different and they act different and they you know they sound different and so yeah i just think it's it's important to be aware of it and just being like oh are we actually taking the time to kind of cross over and see people who are different than us and engage and love others besides just the people who look like ourselves. I just think that's something that the whole church could do in general, but I think some churches just don't do it as well. And, and it's good to be aware, like, am I doing this well or not? Am I making an effort to go beyond just who I'm normally typically wanting to be around? I think some churches are better at creating a culture of self-awareness when it comes to kind of checking yourself about those things you know, checking yourself on matters of, of fellowship and biblical authenticity, you know, it's a certain kind of accountability in some communities, some com church communities are better at that than others, I think. So check your church.
As you guys have been watching this all unfold, what are the things that grieve you right now? Like the things that just grieve your spirit and how are you personally processing those things? Some of the things that grieve me at this time have been some of the stories that I've seen circulating in Instagram. There's a, a fitness influencer that I follow and she shares a story about a coworker she shared some of the DMs that she has received or that she regularly receives and it was people just making mean comments just because she's African-American almost like putting her in her place and those are messages that she regularly receives and a lot of us we wouldn't know about it but because of this focus on racial injustice we're able to know about these stories that otherwise would be untold and I think I just found that really sad that even though I I don't deal with those things on a daily basis, there's other people that do. And I think personally just processing, it makes me wake up and, and learn that it's not just enough to just ignore people, but it, it's good that people have to confront all this and things that, that we don't even know are happening. So there can be a real change and people take the time to, to get informed and learn and have compassion or what, what other people go through. So I think just taking the time to think and to process to, to intentionally not be asleep to all of this. So this is something that I just have really had to take step by step and unfold very slowly. Everything feels like it's going really fast, so it's it's kind of hard to just take it all at once. But I think for me, the thing that I, I've been grieving the most is just like this, the sad wound that is inside of our nation that is racism and disunity. And it's inside the church as well, you know, and and that breaks my heart. Like it breaks my heart to to think about this thing being a division between the body of Christ. And there are so many people who are being affected by it as well in in such a negative way and it's reflecting in the way that they're living it's reflecting in their reactions it's reflecting in in everything like the, the this wound is is limiting people and it's bringing up a lot of pain and hurt and making reactions that are out of pain and hurt which is causing more pain and hurt and and it's painful to watch i've i have been just praying and on my knees crying and just just thinking about like these things and it's hard because also there's a lot of people out there who just don't who don't care about unity and don't care about each other's emotions each other's hearts and that also grieves me like people in the church body just would rather just say things that are just so hurtful and so painful and and that bothers me me a lot and that's not everybody i've actually had a lot of people message me and talk to me about it and just you know really take the effort to but i am grieved by those people because i feel like those people aren't walking in what the lord has called us to and that's painful to watch and so i think between those two things just just the racism and then also just to see such neglect and apathy towards the hearts of people that's just been that's been deep in my heart and that's even for me like if for years I just have not been thinking about other pe people's hearts I haven't been thinking about what can I do to see the Lord and walk in and be able to transform that person's life and I I've not done that either and so 
I'm not saying it's just me, but it's just, I, I feel so convicted about it. I feel so convicted at the fact that for years I just didn't, I didn't look and I didn't try and it was painful it's, and it still, it still is. And so, yeah, those are just a few of the things. And I've been, I just been praying and asking the Lord, like, what can I do? What are you going to do through me? Like, what do you want to do through me? And just being open to what he has and what he wants and his heart for this nation and his heart for the church. And so, yeah. I like the way Victoria described what's happening as a wound. And I see how this wound has been exposed and the scab has been lifted up again. And we see that there's still a lot of things that need healing concerning racial injustice. So I think as a church, it would be good to also be willing to listen and learn and not jump to conclusions and to not think that these issues are behind us. What gives me hope is the willingness I see in people to make a change, how they are taking the time to pause and to listen. And I think that's a good starting point for change. I, I do have a question for you, Victoria. I'm still working through a lot of the things because I really don't know my feelings on a lot of the subject. But going back to like the idea of colorblindness and what we, we were just kind of talking about it like two questions ago and I wish I could remember like what made me think of it, but it was just talking about how, I mean, I see a lot of things on colorblindness and like recognizing the black community and not treating everyone as the same. And so at first I was like, wait, they're pushing for segregation? Like now I'm racist if I'm treating everyone the same? Like I can't win, I'm racist either way, but I'm just, I'm really confused because I feel like I grew up with a relatively di diverse group of friends and I don't know just going back to what I was saying in the beginning I don't really see people as their skin tone you know like I have a friend this friend has red hair and this friend has blue eyes and this friend has brown skin you know it just feels like one of those things I just wanted to know like your perspective and your opinion but you feel like there's a paradox there of like, yeah, my color, but don't see my color or something like yeah. that, right? Yeah, yeah. This in segregation, like how <clears throat> I go to a mega church, like mega mega church. So I, I mean, it's hugely diverse. I mean, I would say there's definitely more white people there than black people, but it's not like oh, there's the one black person in the congregation because it's a huge church and there's a whole lot of just, it's a very diverse congregation because I mean, we live in Southern California, so there's a lot of Hispanic roots and then there's a lot of like, you see a lot of African-American people, you see a lot of white people, you see a lot of everybody. So I kind of never felt like that was, you know, I just, I really never had an experience with any kind of segregation, partly because I grew up not like, I was taught, you know, people are, you know, that's not, being made in the image of God doesn't mean we look like him. It means we can think like him and act like him and emote and love like him. So that was always just kind of different. I don't think of a human as what they look like. I think of a human as their personality and their mind. So like when I said, like if my friend introduced me to an African-American person, I don't know. I don't think, I probably wouldn't even think about their skin color. I would, I mean, I would probably like, I don't know, see it and recognize if it would be like recognizing their hair color or their eye color. Like it's just so far removed from what I'm thinking. So I just, I wondered if you had any kind of 
respectful for me, like just kind of to clear it up because it's something I've been thinking about for the past few weeks because I'm so confused with what I've been seeing. And like, I, I just, I can tell that it's something that I don't quite have a grasp of. And I've, I haven't been quite able to work it out in my head, like exactly what's going on and exactly what I'm because of that. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think I think I get what you're what you're asking. Yeah, whenever like I think when people say that they want you to not see their skin tone, it's not in a way that they're like, "Hey, act like I'm not black." Like you you're going to see my skin tone and you're going to know I'm a black person. That's just that's reality. And I'm going to see your skin tone and I'm going to know you're a white person. That's reality. But I think what they're asking for really is that like you're not making your decisions based off of their skin tone. And I think that's where the the colorblind thing kind of comes in it's like personally when I'm asking someone to see me as being black understand that you're black but not yeah you make decisions based on the fact that you're black right well so like culturally even there's going to be cultural differences in how our families are even just the fact that I'm from the midwest and that you guys are from California most of you and then Holly's in England but just like our backgrounds are definitely going to make things different for us but over the years people have made the decision that someone is dangerous or that someone isn't worth their time, that someone might be poor, that someone might try to steal from them just because they're black. And I think that's where people are asking, hey, don't just see me because I'm black, like see me for me being a person. Like I have worth, you know? And culturally, like I am black, I have black culture because my skin tone is black and black people tend to get around other black people. Like that's just culturally, we're gonna have things passed down from our ancestors that you guys have not because we're black and our ancestors lived a different life than yours, just like, you know, other people. So it's like, there will be cultural differences between us, but we're all still Americans. We all should be able to love each other. We all should be able to live amongst each other and see each other as not people who are being, who are like, you know, I should, you shouldn't see me and think that I might be more dangerous or that I'm worth less than you. And that's what racism is. Racism is whenever I see someone and I immediately think that they're less than me because of their skin tone. That's what that is. And so being colorblind necessarily, I don't think that's racism, but it is kind of like living this life where you're just not really aware of cultural differences and there are going to be differences between you and me. And we should be able to embrace those things. And just like you were talking about, we should be able to have different backgrounds and be able to be amongst each other and live in harmony, even though our worldviews are going to be totally different. I know that like going into, we go to a majority white people within our church where I'm from and just growing up with them just like sometimes I'll I'll tell them stories about some of the stuff that's happened to me you know growing up I've seen a lot of stuff happen just living in the Midwest and they'll just be like no way like I never would have thought that you had done that how come you never said anything and I was like oh just because I just didn't think to talk about it because like no one seemed like they were interested in that and kind of then when I said that out loud I was like oh that actually is kind of sad that like people don't really know a good portion about my life and who I am and these are people that I feel are really close to me and it's like I want them to recognize that I have these struggles and these issues because of my skin tone still. And so it's like, you know, wanting to have both, you should be able to recognize that I'm a black person 
and be able to realize that we're going to have cultural differences, but at the same time, see me as a person who is a person and that I can live my life and I'm not some criminal or this horrible person or less than you because I am Black, you know what I mean? So I hope that makes sense, if that kind of clears up the meaning of that. So it's like, see my skin tone, see my culture and respect it, but you don't have the right to predestine who you think I am or who you think I'm going to be because of the color of my skin. Yeah, or not even the right. Understand, but don't judge. Right, right. That's what I meant by like, not by the right, you can or can't do something, but like as in out of respect for someone and out of just like, just seeing someone as brother and sister in Christ with a different, different culture and different life than you. It's not like a reason for, I don't know. I, that didn't come out how I wanted to take Never mind. Don't use It's like, there are different cultures of white people, right? So like, you know, it's like Scottish and then like people from England are very different. English, right? Right. So I was trying to make, but I couldn't put it into words of like, yeah, hey, we're all yeah. different. We all have our cultures and like, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, how we're, we're not always going to understand each other, but we should right. still see each other as as equals. I'm not going to see you less because like, just like yes. I would see a black African person just as equal as me, you know, right. because we're, even though we're both black and we come from very different types of backgrounds, like we're different people and right. I can recognize that they're culturally different than I am. Right. So. And, you know, I'm mixed. I'm half Filipino, half white. So I totally know what it's like to have different cultures. My Filipino family parties are so different than my white family parties. (laughs) And I, I love things from both sides and both cultures, but it is very different, but it's not something that makes me think one side is better than the other. It's just both Mm -hmm. sides of me and my family tree that I love. You know, it's not something for separation or segregation or just, I don't know. It's, I think, I guess that's why it's so hard for me to understand how there are racist people and like just bigotry still happening because I am mixed and I I come from a place that's that's very celebrated you know and I was very fortunate to have that so like Corey said a lot of it is me still wrapping my brain around how all of this is happening but it's just my heart is very broken for everything that's been happening and you know all I, I just think it's a very important discussion to have yeah understanding is a part of wisdom right so anytime you're in asking someone to understand as in understand my cultural difference and appreciate it you're asking them to be wise and unfortunately not everyone is and really most people aren't on a certain level you know and that's something that comes from spending more time with the Lord I mean you can develop wisdom just as a human being but eventually you're going to figure out where it's coming from and that's from the Lord so good word (laughs) I totally love everything that you said and I really resonate a lot with what you said because I love culture just as a concept I love learning about different cultures I lived in Europe when I was very young and it kind of like open my eyes to the fact that people do things differently than I've grown up doing. And when we visit different churches, they do things differently than my church does. And I always had such a fascination with that. And last year I lived a semester in the UK, the UK and Ireland, we traveled around. And I remember just soaking that up because I I love learning about different cultures and different countries and different languages. But I think what's been so kind of jarring for me in this time, in like what's been going on in the past few months, 
is the fact that I'm kind of waking up to, I didn't realize how big of a culture difference there was between Americans. You know, like that never really crossed my mind because I never had experience with it. And I always saw people as, you know, we're Americans. So I think it's been so confusing, like Maya said, like to just wrap your head around it because like as I'm waking up to this, you know, on social media, I'm hearing like 20 plus different opinions all being yelled at me. And it's kind of this really scary mentality of my opinion is right and therefore everyone else's opinion is wrong. So listen to this and listen to this. I really don't know what's happening at all because I have no personal experience with this. So I've been trying to watch it from just like through a lens of looking at a different culture, just like how I loved learning about England's culture and I love reading about different cultures of different countries because that's just something I'm very fascinated with. So it's been a really eye-opening experience for me these past few months because it's it's a culture shift that I just didn't realize was there and obviously I knew that there was differences because of you know people's heritage and people's history but I just didn't realize just how much that carried through into modern day society because like we were talking about like I think of a lot of that as history as American history and of course it's something important to remember and something to know happened and um, there were terrible things that happened in our country and there were good things that rose out of those like the civil rights movement in the 60s and we're still trying to fix things and I'm just realizing now that you know it's it's not exactly as I had seen it and it's been really interesting for me to see the culture difference and just to watch things as they're changing and watch my viewpoint as it's changing as well because like I said I, I had no experience with this prior to when it kind of exploded on social media for me. It's been really interesting for me to just see that culture difference because culture is something I really love and it was eye-opening for me because I, I just didn't realize that there was a different culture, you know, within my country, within my social circles. So I think it's been a really interesting experience for a lot of people. And I, I do love that we're able to have discussions like this to like bring our worldviews together and to understand and connect across cultures and across different individual just in our own experiences and that's I think that's what I love about culture and I love about humanity is that we're able to come together and we're able to communicate and then we can you know we can connect with each other and we can have empathy with each other and we can grow like Holly said wisdom part of wisdom is being able to understand being able to empathize being able to know what you're feeling and what you're thinking and what you're going through so I I've, I've really enjoyed this discussion and I, I've really enjoyed watching just kind of how things unfold recently and just this kind of culture shift that I've been experiencing. So yeah, guys, this discussion has been really good. And I just kind of want to end on this note, like for you yourselves, what are some things that you can think of, not just as a church, but just in general as people, what can we do to just be better allies for the African-American community, or even just to be more aware of social justice issues and God's heart for it? What do you personally do and what do you feel like we can do to grow in that? That's something that I've been thinking about a lot for myself personally. I think... We have to want to be aware of it and we have to continually like kind of day by day make ourselves stay aware of it because things come and go in the cultural spotlight so quickly. We'll have a big surge of awareness for it and people are talking about it all over the place and then the next day it's gone because we moved on to something else. So I think, I think it's just really important that we 
make ourselves aware of it daily and that's something that we're going on praying about considering how each of us personally can stay aware i think we're too quick to do one thing like listen to podcasts read a book have one conversation with somebody about it and then just be satisfied with ourselves like we did our one thing to make a difference and that's it we're going to move on continue on with our lives as usual. And I think it's understanding that making steps to change in areas like these, it's gonna take change in our lives and it's not really comfortable because it's not gonna be how we've lived our lives typically in the past. Like you guys were saying a few minutes ago, we tend to gravitate towards people, I think that are like us, that are that we're comfortable with, people that are similar to us because that's comfortable. But I think we just need to be willing to consistently be uncomfortable until we become comfortable with the thing that makes us uncomfortable. I, I just think lasting change, change that really lasts permanently, will only come if we're pursuing it in a persevering and just constant, constant manner. I totally agree with that, Kai. And one thing that does suck, but we need to realize is that we do live in a fallen world with a fallen society that is always gonna be subject to things that are harmful to those around us, whether that be issues of racism or abuse or like any of those other things. And I feel like the best we can do as the body of Christ is to take those that are hurting and take them by their hand and just fight with them and find our strength in Christ and just work to be more like Jesus every day. And just bringing it back to that simple fact of, you know what? Jesus loves everyone. Heaven is for everyone that loves him and gets to know him and chooses him. So as the community that loves him, we just need to continue to choose him. I think one thing that I am convicted about that I do not do enough is just pray for the situation, you know, and pray for the people who are in the forefront of everything, the government, the administration of Black Lives Matter, and the people who are participating in different events and protests, people in the church who are figuring out how to deal with and participate in those events as well. I think prayer is so important and it's so easy to not do it. <laughs> and that's something I want to repent of. I want to do better at that and just be faithful to lift up the people who are on the front lines of dealing with this situation. Thank you guys for having this discussion. It's a very important one. So I know that this specific discussion is gonna be really impactful for some people. And I can't wait to see what the Lord does with it and what he speaks to everyone who's just kind of tuning in and taking the time to listen. So yeah, thank you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Yay. Thanks for listening to the Good Voice Collective. This show was put together by the Good Lion interns and our editor and executive producer is Aaron Salvato. We are a proud part of the Good Lion Podcast Network and CGN. You can find all our episodes and more great podcast content at their website, goodlion.io. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we hope it makes you think, leaves you encouraged, and helps you walk closer with Jesus. Thanks for joining us. It's our hope here at the Good Voice Collective that we can be a collective of Christ followers who use our voices for God's kingdom. We hope we've inspired you to use your voice for good. Thank you.